This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And our goal is to provide our listeners the real facts, the real stats, and the really good information about our local market. We want to provide you with the information that will help you make informed decisions. And to help me with that today, we have Constance Lazzaroni of uh, Gold Standard Mortgage. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you for being here. We also have Dave Kidder of ERA Valleywide Home Sales. Uh, good morning good to you. Good morning. Glad to be here. All right. But we also have a, a special guest here today. Not that Dave and Constance aren't special. Don't get me wrong here. But this was kind of a last-minute add-on because there was an event that happened this week at the national level, actually in Missouri, and it affects realtors and, and it affects consumers. So we have brought in the spokesperson for the Fresno Association of Realtors, and that would be this year's president, Brian Dominguez. Good morning, Don. All right. And it seems like you were just here, what, a month ago? I was. It's nice to be back again. All right. Um, yeah, we're going to get you a key to this place. <laughs> Come to think of it, after 15 years, I still don't have a key to the building. <laughs> well, that doesn't surprise me, Don. I don't know if I'd give you a key either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And he's our spokesman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Uh, Brian, let the consumers know what happened this week and, and what's the impact. Yeah, well, you know, it was it was very interesting week. We there's there was a as you mentioned a trial going on a class action lawsuit that um, some home sellers brought against the National Association of Realtors, which is obviously an organization that the local Fresno Association of Realtors works very closely with, uh, as well as some other uh, large brokers. <clears throat> and um, the basis of the suit really was that the sellers were suing saying that the rules and the model that NAR put forth related to our MLS and how we market properties, as well as some uh, national brokers business practices uh, had sellers paying commissions to buyers and they, they wanted to challenge that on a national stage. So that happened. Unfortunately, the jury after deliberations uh, sided with the sellers and, and now we're having a very national conversation about uh, commissions, how realtors are paid, realtor value, and um, really provides an opportunity for us to explain in a little bit more detail to the consumer the value of the system that we have and why it's set up the way that it is. How how can we how can we say that realtors are paid? Well, you know, typically. So let me start with real estate commissions are negotiable. Right. So let me start there, that every time you in, interact with a realtor, when you list your property, commissions are negotiable. So that's the first starting point. And the way that in the United States, our model is, is the seller through their proceeds pays uh, their realtor who's going to represent them, their listing agent. And they pay, uh, let's call it an, an incentive fee to the buyer's agent to bring a well-qualified buyer to their home and help maximize their value and get the highest price for their property. So that. That is negotiated at the time of the listing, typically, and uh, that process allows equal representation uh, for the buyer and the seller to be compensated through the, the proceeds of the, of the seller, typically. 
Okay. Um, so they are commissions are negotiable. Absolutely. All There's right. no fixed rate. It changes on location, service value. There's different brokerage models. All right. So, and that's all set ahead of time. Mm -hmm. All right. In fact, I'd like to comment that on page one of the listing agreement is the price, the also the total commission paid, and then also on the same page is what the cooperating broker will be paid. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me to be pretty transparent, all on the same page, not hidden on page 43. Correct. No, it's on the, it's on the, as you mentioned, the very first page. And it provides the, the seller with an opportunity to understand the value of paying a buyer's agent. What is the advantage to the seller uh, indirectly paying the buyer's agent? Because I guess they're actually paying the listing broker who agrees to share and cooperate and, and split. That's true. Yeah, there's some details there. But the, so let me start with the MLS, which is the tool, one of the greatest tools that realtors provide the community and the consumer because it's a it's a one stop shop database that provides all of the information to the consumer that gets sit, uh, sent out to the third party site. So in terms of fair housing, when we're talking about equal access to the homes that are available, uh, it's the best tool that we have because it like if you look for rentals, for example, it's a very fragmented site you have to go to you know several different sites to try to find a, a home that's for rent in a particular area but if you're looking to buy a home and you utilize the mls you can search readily available all the properties that realtors have that we've put into our database and you can um, see that where they are what the prices are look at the pictures be able to compare the different uh, characteristics of the home so it, it really provides an equal uh, playing field for consumers to find properties that meet their needs so let me start there and in that mls we offer compensation to an agent who's gonna represent a buyer. And the benefit of that is a realtor is going to bring a, a well-qualified, vetted buyer who's met with a lender, gone through the process of getting qualified. Uh, the realtor's met with them and, and done a consultation to understand what their needs are. So the seller can be uh, reassured that the people that are walking through their home are qualified, vetted, they're going to be there with the realtor, so the 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 home, their home that they are letting people in to look at is is supervised safe. too. Supervised, yeah. Especially when they bring the five year old kid. That's right. You know, versus uh, not participating in that process. Say maybe for example, you're going to do a for sale by owner. Which, by the way, I have to say that homes uh, that sell for sale by owner without a realtor typically sell for twenty six percent less than what they would if they had used a realtor. So I think that's important. But without without a realtor representing the buyer. Uh, you just you don't have as many safeguards and you don't have a model that's going to produce the most amount of money for your house in the shortest amount of time. And I like to remind people that um, the MLS is more than a database. What separates MLS from the other public site databases is that it's an association of real estate professionals that cooperate with one another. Just last night, I got a call and I have the most complete data entered in on this listing but this buyer who looked at the house for two hours they were there at the house looking at it still had more questions the other agent and I who happened to know one another we we spoke I uh, she gave me all the questions that the buyer had I spoke with the seller gave more detailed information that's on any database mm -hmm. and that's how we cooperated so it's a it's Real estate yeah. professionals coming together. It's a team to, effort. Yeah, yeah, to make this thing work. 
And I know my seller is happy to pay. Uh, they need to get the home sold. Yeah, and you know, I like to remind sellers there would be no proceeds without a buyer coming to the table and paying them for their home, right? right. So, uh, you know, this concept of um, stealing equity from a seller when there would be no equity realized without a, a bona fide buyer in a transaction that's capable of closing on their property and bringing money to the table, wouldn't, that wouldn't exist. Mm -hmm. And if the buyer is not qualified, it can be a big waste of time and delay the process for a seller. Absolutely. Yeah, and we are going to get into that even more on the show about the importance of having a well-qualified buyer look at the home and a vetted buyer. Uh, and that's where a good local lender comes into it Absolutely. and a good local realtor comes into the picture. So what do you foresee? What is the Fresno Association of Realtors going to do about this? Well, we're being proactive. So we're working very closely with the California Association of Realtors to, you know, look at our forms, look at our value propositions, make sure that we're doing a good job explaining to the consumer what we do. I think a lot of times we, we don't get it. Um, it's not customary maybe to sit down and brag about all of the wonderful things we do behind the scenes to make a transaction smooth and help navigate for a buyer and a seller. But, you know, there's I think National Association of Realtors says there's like 182 things that we do from the first point of contact with a, a client till the we get to the closing table. And we don't um, broadcast that because we're just providing good service and doing a good job. But I think we're gonna continue to make sure the consumer uh, understands what we're doing to help them accomplish their real estate goals. Uh, we're looking at our paperwork to make sure that even though it's as clear as day on the first page of our listing agreement, how we're paid, that we're um, even making making that a little bit more clear, potentially making some changes to our forms and um, keep, just keeping our members educated about um, our value and, and why this system that we've worked in for so many decades in the United States is, is a consumer-based protection for, for people buying and selling real estate. Mm -hmm. And I know for our listeners out there, if somebody is a teacher or they are an electrician, whatever, whatever they do, or they may even be in the real estate business, it's nice to know how much you're going to be paid before you go to work Absolutely. that day. And I think that is something to be expected. Um, and yet this, this uh, litigation here seems to chip away at that and say, well, you know, uh, you, you sell the home and uh, we'll see how the how it all settles out and what you get paid. Yeah, and to be you know direct, if, if they get their way or some of the regulators get their way, what would change would be that the buyer would be responsible for paying for their own representation. So uh, you know the buyers that are out there listening, if you think about having to pay your down payment, your closing cost, and your realtor, uh, that really in a time where we've seen you know some of the biggest challenges to affordability in a couple decades, um, that's a real hindrance to buyer representation. And so that when we're talking about protecting the consumer to say that we're going to put the consumer or the buyer in this case in a position where they, they may or may not be able to afford the best representation because we've changed the model, that's not going to help with risk management. That's not going to help with their satisfaction. That's not going to help with potential lawsuits. I mean, there's a lot, lot of challenges with that. Adds to the affordability issue for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially first time home buyers, exactly. they're the ones that are have the least amount of cash to come to the table with. Correct. So who this would really benefit would be those Wall Street cash investors. So because yes. they uh, 
they're paying cash. Uh, they can pay cash for their own representation. Or do it with no representation. Because they have a legal team. Yes. Yeah, working for them full time. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that legal team comes to work every day not knowing how much they're going to be paid. <laughs> no, I doubt that. No, no. All right, Brian, before we go to a break, I want to ask you, can you think of a time in your illustrious career that um, you really felt like you brought value to a buyer's uh, transaction and their experience? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest perks of our job is when we feel that we've provided value to our clients, right? And and we hope that we do in every transaction, but when they, you're asking for a specific example, when they sit down, I remember I had a client who was a single mom and uh, it was so important to her to help her daughter feel safe in a home that they owned where they could control what their costs were gonna be and how big the yard was and play with their puppy in the backyard. And when we started that process, she just really had no idea of what it was gonna look like, how do I even get started? A lot of fear, a uh, lot of feeling like I, she wasn't ready. And then when we got through the end of the process with tears in her eyes, when I handed her a key, she said, I just couldn't have done this without you. And, you know, that feeling of uh, accomplishing something together, a goal that you have with your client and them really seeing the value in, in what you did, because they started with no idea, don't know how to get there, and then actually being able to move in and provide a safe space for their family. It was very, very rewarding. All right. Thank you. And, um, I think most realtors would agree with you, Brian, that that that's the best paycheck of all. Absolutely. Is knowing that you helped a family get, uh, uh, obtain the American dream. But with that, we're going to go to our first commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio, we have Constance Lazzaroni of Gold Standard Mortgage, Dave Kidder of ERA Valleywide Real Estate, a realtor and a lender, uh, all part, integral parts of the transaction. And um, we want to thank Brian, who's now off to see his son play in a soccer game, uh, for coming in on a last-minute notice. And anyway, so let's talk about service and value. And I, I do want to start with Constance, our lender. Um, what does a local lender bring to the table to uh, for a buyer that I'm just going to start off with what an online national lender would or would not bring? Well, I would say, first of all, we have familiarity with the, the local market um, and the agents. Um, reputation is also a big part of it. They know if you've, you know, qu sent qualified borrowers or if you've put pre-approvals out that are just fluff and have not made it across the finish line. So um, there's that familiarity. Um, we know if there's local down payment assistance programs to help. Um, and one of the most important things, I think, is, is we are there to sit down come in and sit down, especially for first-time home buyers. Um, there are, it's not a one-size-fits-all out there, especially in today's market. You have to have, know that there's multiple programs out there, and it's about finding the right fit for the client's right situation. We're gonna find out what their goals are. Do they intend to stay in this house? Is this their, um, you know, a temporary home, a starter home, and then they wanna turn it into a rental? What, what are their goals? That way we can sit down and together 
um, actually come up with you know the right fit. Um, uh, often the agents come in and sit down too, so we work as a team. You know the local or the local realtor, and that way we are looking out for that client's best interest, assisting them along the way. Um, a lot of times, some of the um, younger generation I know, you know, want to do everything online, and I try to remind them. You are not buying a toaster on eBay. Let's <laughs> sit down so I can see in their eyes, do they understand this or do I need to explain it a different way? So that's one of the real benefits of a local lender too. And even if they do do most of it online, um, I attend 99% of my loan signings, which is one of the most important parts to set that client up for success as a homeowner. That's a good point. Dave, you have a comment? Oh yeah having the local lender that I, I know her, I have her address. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. She has mine. Right. Uh, the worst thing that I think happens in the real estate transaction is if there are problems, if the lender or the agent is not responsive, you yes. can't get a hold of them. And I don't, I don't have that issue locally. Mm -hmm. right. I had one come up this week where there was a discrepancy just in the projected close of escrow date. Um, and I think I had that one solved inside of five minutes. Right. Uh, yeah. Whereas, gosh, if that lender was back in Kentucky, um, I, it, it might have taken a while. Right. Well, they could be already home because they're three hours different. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's the start of their evening already, and they're not available. And that's another good point. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, when Constance, when you talked about making sure that it's a good fit, so I'm taking it that there's more than one loan product. There are so many loan products. There, there's probably more loan products today than <clears throat> in any time in history that I can can recall. And I've been doing this um, over 25 years. So I think that a lot of times people come in and if they've talked to somebody online, they think that they are only eligible for an FHA loan. Um, when there might be something out there that if you know their income fits in this bracket, we can do a conventional, get assistance from the lender to help with the down payment. Um, there's all kinds of programs out there and it's not a one size fits all. And it's important that clients, you know, especially first time home buyers understand that. And they're not going to understand that without a, a, a lender explaining that to them. Okay. I ran across this last night in conversation. It wasn't. It was another realtor, and they were talking about how the deal fell apart in the eleventh hour because the lender didn't realize that there was a component of the property that they wouldn't loan on, and it was a, you know, it, it, there was a grant involved in it, and because the house was structured such a way. The lender in the 11th hour says, oh, we can't do this loan. And I think having somebody who's local and very, very aware of not only the property that's in the market, and that's the communication between the lender and the realtor saying, hey, by the way, let me tell you about the property and make sure this loan will go through. Ah, good there, point. There are times that, um, I, I have one right now that's, um, as they're explaining the house to me, it's got an antique like they were selling antiques out of it and a house. But when I pull it up on, you know, um, the, online, I can't see the other property that they're talking about. So it's hard for me and, and the agent couldn't either. So we're like, hey, Monday, Monday afternoon, we have an appointment to go out and see that property. So that way I can make sure that I'm understanding it correctly when all the information is not coming up on the data. So you as the lender are gonna go out and see the property. Now there, that, that's a good one. 
that really Absolutely. if you were from Kentucky you wouldn't be doing that yeah. and probably not solving the the problem or right. the issue right and it wouldn't come up until the appraisal which is then a little you know it's then it's harder to pivot we mm-hmm. can go into it knowing all the information yeah. and and addressing it so I can actually take a picture of it I can come back I can call you know my my lender my appraisal management company and say hey you know this is what I saw in fact I have a picture I can send you that's not coming up online with the information and as far as different loan programs, I want to bring up the fact that way back in, let's say, 2005 and 2006, there was a loan product out there called the Option Arm. And uh, it was being pushed big time. In fact, I believe uh, loan officers were being paid three times the commission on that by some of these le- uh, investors. Well, that was a toxic loan, well, exotic loan. What, what I'm going to say is that loan had a purpose, and it was being misused. Ah, that yeah. loan had a purpose for things like uh, and maybe an investor um, that was short-term. So, again, it's, it's about sitting down with the client, understanding their needs, their goals, and putting the right product. Because most products that are developed have a purpose. It's when they're misused that they have these unintended consequences. That's an excellent point. So yeah, that was that was a good loan for five percent of the population, right? Ten percent. Uh, I heard heard it put this way: the farmer who gets paid once a year, that was a good loan right. for them. Right. Mm-hmm. But when the average homeowner didn't understand all the point, they they heard, "Well, I get a one percent, one percent payment for five years." What they didn't hear because that online lender may not have explained it to them the interest rate adjusts monthly in that five years you just don't have to pay it your payment is based on one percent the rest of it goes on top i know a guy who started off with a three hundred thousand dollar loan and by the time they realized what was going on they owed 330 so their balance went up considerably Well, you know, anytime that anything is, you do not take the time to educate yourself and then explain it properly, um, you know, you're going to have the situations that, that all kind of led to the housing crisis and, and people losing their homes. But a local lender, I mean, I know that I may run into these people, you know, when I'm eating dinner. I may run into them, you know, when I'm, when I'm at the grocery store. So I want to hear good response that I set them up properly, I educated them properly, and they are successful homeowners. Somebody in Kentucky online, they're never going to run into that person. So if they misled them, well, so so be it. Right. And, of course, you're always going to see the realtor uh, somewhere at the gas station, the grocery yep. store, at a realtor function. So yep. you got to be able – it's a good feeling when they walk towards you to say hi rather right. than turning away from you. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, I'm just a quick plug for I have had some very good transactions with uh, online or out of area lenders. So they're not all uh, bad. But I've also had situations where things have come up that if they were right here, I don't know that we would have had the same problem. So, ah, okay. Good point. Um, Dave, how do you handle it when a client comes to you and said, Oh, let's start looking for a home. I got pre-qualified, and here's my pre-approval letter, and it's out of Timbuktu, Minnesota. You know, I, I've worked with vets who have had 
pre-approvals with out of area or with vet, you know, VA lenders. And it's always a situation. You have a relationship with them. How good is that relationship? And here's my question. Do you mind if I call this lender? And if that lender picks up and we have a great conversation and we handle expectations about how we're going to go through here, uh, who's your second in command in case you're not available, and I feel good about the communication that I have with that lender, I have no problem working with that lender who's out of the area. But if if they don't pick up the phone on the fifth or sixth time I've tried to call them, I'm going to maybe recommend, hey, I, I know you have confidence in this lender. I don't mean to steal business from somebody, but would you be willing to talk to three other local lenders and see if maybe they could fit? So if they see if they pick up on my concern and they're aware that there could be a concern, then maybe I'll introduce them to somebody local. But if I have a good relationship with that lender right off the bat, I, I proceed with them. Okay, as a realtor in working with a buyer, are you okay to just work remotely? In other words, all by phone, maybe just show them the house once and then never see them again? You have to work with what the buyer is, what the buyer's preferences are. And I have had some people who would prefer to only communicate that way. But I, I also find that when you get into a transaction, you're, somebody told me once, in every transaction, there's going to be 32 issues that come up. And my job is to make sure we only have to deal with like two or th two or three of those that I'm able to, you know, have not take care of the problem, but have the answer presented to the buyer. Say, yes, let's go with that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes more than that. So sometimes you need the person on the ground in front where you're meeting them at the property. At some point, you do need to meet the buyer at the property. Showing and selling a home to somebody who's never seen that home is, in my opinion, not ethical. So it would be more difficult for you also. <clears throat> yep. And same for that lender back back east. Yep. It, if they never meet the client, got to be more difficult for them. Well, uh, that's true. Yeah. With that, we're going to go to our f next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Looking back, I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio helping us out today, we have Dave Kidder, a realtor with ERA Valleywide Homes and Constance Lazzaroni of Gold Standard Mortgage. And uh, we've been talking about how the, the real estate team, the lender, the, the agent can all be of value and of service to the clients, buyers and sellers. Now, earlier in the last segment, Dave, you mentioned something about 32 issues that could come up. Yeah. Okay, hit me with a few of them. Well, um, simple as arranging inspections. The inspectors, uh, maybe, maybe we can't get all the inspectors on the same day and I like to have the buyer meet with the inspectors at the end of their reports if they have any questions. That, that can be an issue. Uh, another issue is what happens if the appraisal comes in below the list or the purchase price. Okay, and how do we handle that? And you know, there's a there's things called a, an appraisal rebuttal, and that having a local agent on the ground who really knows the market and knows and understands why that house was priced that way to start with 
I, I, I want to rebuttal here a couple weeks ago because I had, I knew of homes that were in fact in the process of closing that weren't used in the appraisal, but in the rebuttal we could use them. And I knew those homes and I talked to the agents and they were, they were model matches to what I had just sold and it raised the value of, of the appraisal. All right. So how does an appraisal rebuttal work? It probably starts with the lender. Can I ask you that, Constance? <clears throat> sure. So once the appraisal comes in, um, we, we release it to the buyer and the buyer's agent. And when it is low, then it's back up for negotiation. So generally what happens is they will come and they will ask us to do an appraisal um, or rebuttal of value. So the interesting thing is, is we have to get that information generally from the agent that's wanting to rebuttal it. What information do you want me to use to try to get a new, this value ba raised back up? Well, so the loan company has to seek value from the realtor and service to help get through this issue. Absolutely. There's my point. So here's, here's the tricky part is that as if it is my listing and I'm representing the seller, my fiduciary duty is to rebut that appraisal. But if I'm the buyer's agent, do I really want to have that value go up? So there's another, you Well, know. I think the, the buyer's agent wants that deal to close, close. and come together. Yeah. So it's a matter of if it's actually truly worth what they're asking, yep. then okay, the buyer's agent generally wants to rebuttal it. If it's not and it's you know low, then that's a different story. But, but one of the things for a local lender like myself that helps in the, the process of a rebuttal is when the agents are giving me um, comps that they would like used, even if it is within a mile of the property, I can tell if that's a completely different profile of a neighborhood yeah. that's gonna be a valid comp or am I just putting it on paper to turn it in and have it declined? So it's, it's you know, I can tell them, hey, you know, I know you're think, thinking that comps within a mile, but I think that's a completely different neighborhood and we can chat about that because we both know the area. We know the geographics of the neighborhoods. We know the, um, the type of the neighborhood. So it helps us to have a conversation like, okay, hey, can you get me a different comp that you think is going to support the value? Yeah. Because this one is just going to be kicked back. And I have, you know, I only have so much information I can give back on that rebuttal. So let's not waste it with a comp that's really not, not comparable. Exactly. I'd like to comment regarding the, that a buyer would want a low appraisal because that gives them a chance at lowering the purchase price and renegotiating after the negotiations. And not always the case. I, I've seen buyers want the appraisal to come in because they want the home. They were willing to pay what they offered because they put good thought into it because their realtor, they know they're in the right place. I remember one time a, uh, an appraisal came in low. <clears throat> I presented that to my buyer and my buyer said, that appraiser's wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's worth every penny what we're paying for it. So those people did not want that opportunity to renegotiate because many times the seller's gonna say- The deal will fall apart. Right, well, I'll go find another buyer and a different appraiser. Well, and you know, and the interesting thing is because if it's a conventional loan or, you know, anything other than maybe a, an FHA or a VA, they can just get a new appraisal. And you can have three appraisers on the same day appraise a property and they can come out a little bit different. I mean, it is an opinion yeah, of value absolutely. based on, you know, certain information. I, I think my part of my point is that if everybody's on the same page and rowing the same direction and we all want it to close, the buyer wants the house, the seller wants to sell, 
there's always going to be a way around all 32 of these things that could come up if, if we're working together. I can't imagine if I'm a buyer or a seller in it for myself and I have no representation, who's going to go to bat for me? That's where, that's where you get uh, a lot of frustration with people trying to buy or sell without representation. Gotcha. And it's important, too, to remember that the sale, the transaction of a home sale should be, can be, and most likely will be a win-win transaction. Absolutely. It's not win-lose like a court case. It, it's a win-win where the buyer gets their dream home. They've attained the American dream of home ownership. Yeah. The seller gets to move on yeah. to possibly another home, their dream home, or uh, move out, you know, out of the area. Um, or downsize, whatever it, it may be, uh, it should be a win-win. So negotiating on one percent of the purchase price if an appraisal comes in low. Uh, uh, and by the way, if that appraisal comes in ten percent low, which I've seen some do, um, that th those are easy negotiations. That dealing is not going to go. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing, Don, that comes to my mind is. I remember um, an agent talking to me about instead of reducing the purchase price for the seller, or reducing the sales price, um, he added one, he gave up 1% commission and put it out there for a buyer's agent. So one more percent to the buyer's agent. So it ended up dri driving so many more agents to bring in their clients that the seller ended it created a bidding war. So the seller ended up netting like over 15,000 more than a price than the, than the original price. Mm -hmm. So then there's a price reduction, you know what I mean? So by having somebody representing a buyer, representing a seller and their interest, it ended up creating a lot more net profit for even the seller by having a buyer represented. Ah, okay, great. And, and one thing I have to say, the appraisers have a tough job because they have to appraise in the past. They've yeah. got to take the last three to six months and say, this is what happened. Whereas a buyer and a seller are negotiating today Real time. and forward. And anticipating the, what's going to be happening. And if the market seems to be going a direction, you're right. That's where the realtors can help navigate those waters. Mm -hmm. But also the realtors can help informing the appraiser and giving the appraiser what they need to help making an informed decision. And so knowing knowing your comps, your comparables, knowing what, what an appraiser is looking for is really important in this today. And one thing I know that appraisers are very thankful or grateful when I give them, give them this information is any improvements that have done been done Absolutely. to the property yeah. in the last few years. Yep. Uh, maybe new dual-pane windows because there's added value there. You know, there's a misconception that we cannot talk to the appraiser. And for all my fellow realtors out there, they love it when we come prepared and love it when we interact with them. They don't like it when we try to... Uh, persuade them on value. Persuade them on... Yeah, I was thinking of a harsher word, but yeah, <laughs> persuade them on value. You're bringing out a good point. So the appraisers, it, they like cooperation, but they don't like being persuaded. Coerced. Yeah. And, and maybe uh, that's the answer to this whole thing with this lawsuit that happened um they looked at it as persuasion rather than cooperation yeah 
Well, another thing to keep in mind from some of the other stuff I'm hearing is that the way things are done in Missouri, where this case was, you know, litigated at, is they're presented a little bit differently than they are locally, based on just the laws of far, car, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and our listeners know that I love doing road trips around the state of California. Road, we just did one road trips around the U.S. housing market. I've never once, t- and I, I know a lot of realtors from around the country. I've never once talked about commission with them. Like, no. uh, so it, it's, I've asked them what their market's like, what their typical homes are like. Like out in the Midwest, it's typically on five acres. Yeah. Where, you know, here in California, not the case. So that that's something interesting to think yeah. about. I've 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 been the co-chair of a, a meeting at FAR for three and a half years, and not one time has any anybody come up with, "Hey, let's all charge this amount." Not one time in three and a half years. And if it ever were, <clears throat> I'd end the meeting. But I've never even been challenged on that. So not one time. So speaking of this, you know, talk about somebody, an agent looking out for a buyer. Just last night, <clears throat> I notified an agent that. Um, one of the clients that he had referred over to me who we came up with a plan. She was going to pay off a little bit more debt to qualify for what she wanted to. I said, you know, she she reached out to me last night. She paid off some debt. I said, I'm a little concerned because the rates have gone up a little bit, so I don't know that it's going to really qualify her for more. And here was his response. Yeah, it's going to be tough for her, but if we have to, I can use some of my commission to help her out with closing costs or rate buy down. I don't mind doing that for any client. And I said, you know, you're a good guy. He said, you're sweet, but I think we need to understand the market and know the tough position these buyers are in. We need to treat people how we want to be treated. Okay, that's from a local buy- buyer's agent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that speaks volume. And I think in the, what happened in this uh, this litigation is they portrayed the realtor to just be a money-hungry, yeah. money-seeking device. Well, and I think there are some of those out there. There are some, of, in every industry out there, there's going to be those. Just like there's fabulous police, and then there's a few bad ones. So there are those realtors out there. Mm-hmm. However, the majority of them are absolutely looking out for the client's best interest and considering that a win-win. Yep. And that's why uh, a buyer should interview their agent uh, before they sign a buyer representation agreement. They should know that this is who I want to work with, not only today, but next month and six months from now. Yep. Um, and in, and actually for your, it, it's a great feeling to know that, hey, this is my realtor for life. Right. Well, and a team, you know, I, I try and tell the clients that, hey, now you have a team, you know, between your realtor and your lender. And I, I mean, the other thing too, is that even after they close, where whatever comes up, the realtor and l- lender are here to help. Right. Uh, that's why realtors right now and on that lenders too are getting lots of phone calls. Hey, I just got this property tax bill <laughs> in the mail. What does it mean? <laughs> what do I do? So anyway, with that, we're going to our next commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today Because the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host here in the studio. 
We have Constance Lazzaroni of Gold Standard Mortgage and Dave Kidder of ERA Valleywide Home Sales, a lender and a realtor. That intro music, that patriotic music is good because I remember, I believe it was in 2009 or 2010, the um, Time Magazine on their cover came out with the, the headline, the American dream of home ownership is dead. Well, how wrong have they been? Because not only has it grown and aspired, but um, it, it's created wealth for, for many wealth. people. Yeah, yeah, something. And speaking of generational wealth, that's something that might be a good idea to put into a trust. But yeah. that's a plug for another day. Um, I'd like to, we're, we're talking about the lender, the realtor, the buyer, the seller, the agents, all working together to make this win-win transaction complete. What are some good stories that you've had over um, the many, 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 many years you've been in the business, Dave, and the 25 years you've been in the business, Constance? <laughs> I'll let you go first, Constance. I um, well, you know, I can think of one I had a few months ago that without um, a, a local team of professionals looking out for their best interests, working together would not have happened. Um, you know, I remember I always tell the, the buyers, the clients that our sit-down appointment is, okay, make sure that you're not taking days off work to go shopping for home furniture right now, and then your next paycheck is showing lower because that happens if you don't tell them. So I had a call from a client that um, they were just in a panic because their car had broke down. They had to get into the shop. It ended up costing them a few thousand dollars. And their thing was, but I had to get to work the next day because you told me I couldn't miss work. Well, now they were short funds to close. So it was, you know, the, everybody was concerned. Is this going to make it across the finish line? They did not have family here to get a gift from. So by talking with their buyer's agent, I knew of a local program that now that they did not have enough funds in their account would actually cover $2,000 of the closing cost. He covered, he, with his commission, gave them $1,000 credit or 1400 something like that. But anyways, we were able to bring it together. And you know, you were talking about a, an online lender in Kentucky. An online lender in Kentucky would not have known that there was a local program that would give that $2,000 if um, you know their, their bank account just did not cover the funds. So things like that are, I think, very beneficial because we were working together to make sure that that buyer crossed the finish line. And another thing in between the lines there, there must have been a real appreciation for one another for someone to give up their earnings to help the other person attain their dream. Absolutely. So you wouldn't do it, um, the robot wouldn't do it, um, right. We but were both able would. to, you know, to give a little here, shave a little there. Um, you know, I mean, t most of the agents that I work with in town, it is a, it's only considered a win-win if it truly is a win-win. And sometimes right now the motto should be work harder and expect to make less per transaction than a few years ago. It just is. Whereas, you know, I think that sometimes online lenders, I'll, I'll see their loan estimates and it looks like they are doing less loans and trying to make up for it on each loan. Oh. When really your motto should be roll up your sleeves, be prepared to work harder for less right now as a professional. Wow. Dave, do you have a story for us? I do. And this is, there's still this 
maybe the sweetest couple I think I've ever worked with, but they've have several rental properties, but they decided that this one had to go. And the sweet part about these people is that they chose never to raise any rents. So they had a family that lived in this home for 25 years, never had their rents raised. Now you would think that there'd be a, just this uh, air of uh, gratitude but once it was found out, once it was noted to the renters that the home was being sold and they were going to have to move, the relationship fell apart between the renter and the seller. It, it, we were at the point where the only time I could show the house was between 10 and 11 on Saturday morning. So the home wasn't selling, it, and, and the tenants weren't being cooperative. They were being asked to move out of their home. I could, I could understand where they were coming from. The sellers, on the other hand, are elderly. They could no longer maintain the property. They were at the point, I need, we need to sell this home. I had permission from the tenant and I had permission from the seller to talk to each other. And it seemed like because I was able to come in and I didn't have a horse in the race, as, you know, as far as I, I didn't have the, the emotions in there, I was able to negotiate something with the tenants that they were happy with, the sellers could live with. The tenants did move out of the house and we were able to sell the house a couple weeks later. Now. Yay, I think that was a win. But now the sellers, their their CPA said, you, you can't sell this, you need to exchange it into something else. So a week before closing, we entered into a 1031 exchange and, and three days later I found them a replacement home. And I don't know if all of that would have happened if there wasn't somebody in the, in the middle who took, could take the emotions out of it and say, this is not a problem, we can take care of it. So that, that was a super big win, and I get Christmas cards and calls from them all the time out of gratitude. All right. And I know we've all been in this position that I was in where at times we have to be a psychologist and a motivator. <laughs> we we got to be like Jim Sweeney, coach of the Fresno State Bulldogs, were, how he was. That guy was the ultimate. He was awesome. Yeah. Uh, motivator. So. I had a guy, and because we worked together and I was showing him homes, I got to know he was a big-time Raiders fan. So we had a difficult escrow. Um, a lot of things went because wrong. Because he was a Raiders fan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was the solution to the fan. problem. <laughs> anyway, we're getting towards the end, and he said, you know, I give up. Now the lender wants this and this. I I I just give up. I'm, I'm not going to buy the home. And it's like, but you've put in so much effort to, to get to this point. Why would you quit? And then it hit me. He's a Raiders fan. So I said, hey, Edgar, would the Raiders quit on the one-yard line? No, they wouldn't. Depends I said, because that's where, we're we, where, where we are. He goes, you mean we're that close to closing? Yes, we are. He goes, okay, let's go for it. And we closed it, and here it is 20-some years later. Um, the Raiders still haven't won the Super Bowl, but he's been, he's in the home. I'll rub that in. <laughs> I should not have said that. Neither are the Vikings, but that's – All right. Uh, any other stories from either one of you? Well, you know, I, I just recently had one that um, – it was actually a manufactured home. It – had some issues come up at the very end as far as getting an engineer cert for the deck that was added. Um, 
I do feel like if it was a, a online lender, they would not have been able to pivot as easily. I was able to literally get somebody out there to help get it fixed, get the inspections done, um, and we we had two days left, and mm-hmm. the it, the engineer was just not signing off on it. So I was able to literally round up a team and say, "Hey, I'm going to need help getting this done on this day, or." or everything that everybody's put into this transaction is going to fall apart. So by having these local connections, local contacts, knowing who the, you know, handymans are, the the contractors, the engineers, things like that, it just played a difference. Mhm. Yeah, excellent. Dave, you got one? So this is going to sound like I'm taking a shot at lenders and I'm not. My apologies constantly. Don't worry, we'll meet in the parking lot afterwards. <laughs> That's too bad, Dave. Oh, uh, <laughs> f- the week of closing. Dave, you're going to lose. I am. I am. <laughs> Week of closing, uh, the lender who was out of the area, but it was a lender that the buyer had used repeatedly, uh, informed us that he couldn't loan on that type of property. And this is the week that it's supposed to close. And it had been a a rough escrow. There was a lot of things that came up. So I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling my good friend Rufi from Guarantee, who's the listing agent. He's calling me at the same time. And the first thing's out of both of our mouths is, will your client consider a seller carry? Four days later, we closed that loan on a seller carry because of the cooperation with the different agents in there. And win, win, win for everybody except for the lender who lost the loan. Yeah. So a database isn't going to handle that. But an MLS that has a shared cooperation between real estate professionals got that one handled. I want to end the show on this story here. To me, it's one of the most heartfelt ones where we had a rough escrow, a lot of things came up, including a job change, mm-hmm. um, and of course, buying refrigerators and all that before <laughs> escrow closed, yep. and, and running credit on it to get that 10% discount, We right. all those issues. Anyway, when I went to hand them the keys, the, the woman just started crying. Now, I'm used to having snivels and, and You're tears. used to making and women cry, Don? Cry, yeah. Right. <laughs> I was going to go there. I, I, good. Oh, great. You're going to get me in trouble here. But, but anyway, she was really crying, and her husband looked at me, and he said, what you have to understand, five years earlier, we were all living in a car. Oh, wow. And to attain home ownership was amazing. So we'll end it on that one. want to thank the two of you for coming in today thank our listeners for uh tuning in and we'll be back again next week thank you very much from welcome home radio